Law School Show. Helping you navigate the law school experience with resources and opportunities curated for your success. Catch it all here, right now, on the Student Life Series. The Student Life Series is brought to you by LexisNexis. LexisNexis supports future lawyers. Excel in your law school studies and kickstart your legal career with Lexis Advanced Quick Law. Register for your complimentary ID at lexisnexis.ca slash lawschools, plus earn star rewards, points, and prizes while you learn. Enter the secret code WELLNESS for 250 bonus points now through November 31st. Welcome to the Law School Show. My name is Noor and I will be your host for today's episode. Today we have with us Professor Linda Collins. Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Collins. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Linda M. Collins is a professor with the Center for Environmental Law and Global Sustainability at the University of Ottawa Faculty of Law. Professor Collins is one of the one of Canada's leading experts in the law and policy of toxic torts. She has practiced toxic tort litigation in Canada and the U.S. at both the trial and appellate levels. Professor Collins is also an expert in the domestic and international law of environmental human rights. She has published on a range of issues in this area, including constitutional environmental rights under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, Aboriginal environmental rights, and the environmental rights of future generations. Before entering academia, Professor Collins practiced with Ecojustice Canada, litigating major environmental cases and tribunals, ranging from the Ontario Municipal Board to the Supreme Court of Canada. At the University of Ottawa, as a professor, she has taught courses such as toxic tort, public law and legislation, tort law, success stories in public litigation, and happiness in the law. I had the honor and pleasure of being enrolled in her course called Happiness in the Law this past January. It was definitely an amazing way to start off the year. The past year and a half has been quite challenging for everyone for many reasons, and it was a blessing for my colleagues and I to be enrolled in Professor Collins' course. We explored matters that are often overlooked in the legal field, such as coping with stress and anxiety and maneuvering in the legal field without burning out. So in this episode, we will be focusing on wellness and the law. The material will not only be inclusive to law students, but it will also be very important for lawyers to absorb. So to begin, Professor Collins, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your take on happiness in the law. Thanks, Noor. Yeah, well, I start from the belief that my students deserve to be happy. Um, and right. I think, you know, all of us who teach care about our students and we see the distress that a lot of students experience in law school. And there's also a number of studies showing that law school has a tendency to increase mental health problems. So I wanted to design a course that could sort of be part of the solution. And I found that there was a market for that among students, especially when I explained to them that cultivating their happiness will also improve their academic performance. Right. That's that's great. I mean, I've spoken to several lawyers and I told them about this course I was enrolled in and, you know, they were surprised and they, they were shocked that there are there are resources like this out there that 
help us sort of, you know, pour into our own cup before we pour into others or just taking care of ourselves before we're able to do anything else. So I really, I really enjoyed your course, Professor Collins. And I, it, I started off the year um, with a very, very excellent note. And to be honest, it helped me throughout the year and it's still helping me till this point. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I think when students learn that you don't have to choose between well-being and performance, and in fact, choosing well-being is choosing performance, it's quite right. liberating. Yeah, definitely. And I you, you emphasized on that a lot every single day of the class. And I learned some fundamental lessons in your class, particularly how to slow down and prioritize mm-hmm. yourself. You know, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be able to take care of anything else. Self-care is often overlooked. So how you show up for yourself dictates how you show up for everything and everyone else. Exactly. Yeah, that's well put. So as a law student, I mean, I learned that there are so many tasks we have to juggle at the same time, completing our courses, looking for jobs. Currently, I'm going into my third year, and right now we're having to look for articling positions. Um, On top of that, participating in extracurriculars. So how do you suggest a law student, and perhaps this will apply to lawyers as well, how do you suggest we maintain a healthy balance in doing all of this? Well, as you know, Nora, I would start with the foundations. Mm -hmm. And those are sleep, social connection, good nutrition, mindfulness or meditation, and what we call cognitive reframing or changing your relationship with Mm -hmm. stress. And what I have actually found is that when people prioritize those things, they gain time rather than losing it. So sleep is a classic example. Uh, Law students often voluntarily sacrifice sleep, believing that that will support their academic success. But what we actually know is it slows down your cognition, it impairs memory, it impairs learning. And so now you're reading the same paragraph over and over again and not absorbing it. Or you leave a class and you realize you really didn't take good notes and you didn't understand. And it creates a huge amount of repetitive work. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you make the commitment to get those eight hours every night or whatever amount you need, you can be so much more efficient in your work so that ultimately it actually does save time. Now, I admit it can be a leap of faith Mm -hmm. to start taking that time, but most people find that when they invest a little bit of time in meditation, when they protect their sleep, they're eating well and they're prioritizing social connection, that in fact, they become more efficient. Mm -hmm. They need less time to do the same amount of work. Right. Yeah, I agree. First year for me was very, very challenging. And I know for a lot of my peers as well, because we didn't realize the importance of mental health. And, you know, you're put into this this pressure zone where you're just expected to do so many different things at the same time and your performance is being evaluated every single second. And you start to define yourself or you start to see yourself in a certain light that's unhealthy. Right. So how do you suggest, you know, we balance that we go about that? You know, part of it is having a commitment to stay human. Mm. I think that we have a very unhealthy tendency to forget our basic biological needs. And, you know, we try to be kind of robots. Mm -hmm. In fact, it can be a a compliment one person will pay to another when they see them working really hard. You're a machine. Mm. But the thing is, we're not machines. (laughs) And in fact, 
if you don't take care of your body, your mind, your spirit, ultimately you are going to burn out. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a matter of time. So some people hit that crisis in law school and they maybe they need to defer all their exams or maybe they take a term off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be a great time to, to learn these skills. For other people, it's several years into practice, but it isn't sustainable to just keep going without nurturing your own humanity, those primordial needs that we have yes. for sleep, for nature, for each other, for fun, for joy, for right. a sense of meaning, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just learning that, in fact, you can't really do that for very long. So you might as well learn now. Mm -hmm how to perform well and stay human. Yeah, it burnout, right? Burnout is a real thing. And if we don't do what you suggested, if we don't do what you mentioned, just stopping and like breathing, living, we're human, right? We're not robots. We're not robots. And this is something that a lot of law students and I myself personally had to tell myself, like, look, your grades don't define you. They're important. Yes, it's, it's you know, it's a way to evaluate your performance, but it doesn't define your intellect. It doesn't define your ability, right? Mm -hmm. We can be writing an exam. We could be anxious that day. We could not be feeling well, or perhaps the material doesn't sit with us. But that the, the grade doesn't define who we are. And it, like you said, we need to learn how to ground ourselves and breathe and just live mm -hmm. in the moment. And you know, I remember some of the things you mentioned in class activities: doing acts of kindness, journaling, taking walks, meditating. Of course, everyone has their own way of coping or disconnecting. But what is your suggestion to finding that the one that best works for you? Well, I think the key is to try things out. You know, as a law professor, I only brought things into the class that are supported by the evidence. Right. Um, you know, that, that's just sort of an academic standard. Uh, but I think really anything that works for you, as long as you're not hurting anybody else and not hurting yourself, yes. is a good thing. And one of the reasons why I introduced a wide variety of evidence-based practices is because I have found that different people have their aha moment with different things. Mm. Several students told me meditation changed their lives. Right. For another student, it was just the practice of going for a walk every day with his partner that he said was really a game changer. He felt mm -hmm. better and he really experienced an increase in his productivity for other people, the self-compassion practices, to actually sit down and write yourself a compassionate letter, mm -hmm. that can be the thing that really changes their experience. Yeah. So I think, you know, look at the literature. If you have the time, the text, one of the texts we use, The Happiness Advantage, is a great place to start. Yes. Uh, but there's a lot out there. Just, you know, even if you spent an hour or two on Google looking at well-being resources with the Law Society of Ontario, the American Bar Association, mm -hmm. you're going to find some of these evidence-based practices. And the absolute key is to try them because that's what's going to produce the consistency and the commitment is when you mm -hmm. do something and you notice the effect. Right. Yeah. That's, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you made us try pretty much all of them. And I recall my colleagues saying some of them work, some of them don't. For me, it was journaling. You mm -hmm. made us, you know, write some reflections and it really helped. And so, yeah, I, I really appreciated that 
And I think it goes back to the core fundamental thing we were talking about earlier, living, being mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. The legal feel is very fast. It can be very pressing. It can be very challenging. But to slow down and to understand that we must prioritize our mental health, right? Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, what is a lawyer's tool of the trade? Your tool is your brain. Mm. And, you know, your brain is obviously intimately connected to your mind. When we're having difficult emotions, you're flooding your brain with neurochemicals that aren't super helpful with cognition. I think we've all had the experience of being really overwhelmingly anxious. And it's like, you can't think, you can't problem solve in that Mm -hmm. place. And we're asking our students to solve very complex problems. Right. So, you know, of course, there's going to be nervousness and anxiety when we're writing exams. But I think you've actually really identified the key thing here, which is, if you're making the exam a measure of your worth as a person, mm-hmm. you're adding a level of anxiety that gets to kind of a state of paralysis. If, yes. if your own self-regard hinges on how you perform on that exam, the level of stress you'll take in is going to make thinking clearly way more mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. So yeah, these, these tools actually improve your capacity to do well at law and at life right yeah you you know I I had a few thoughts as you were speaking the first one is that law school seems to be or at least I felt like in a lot of colleagues of mine have mentioned that it's like a melting pot we are expected to act in a similar manner or you know be a certain type of lawyer be a certain type of person but One thing I have really seen is that every person has their own strengths and weaknesses, right? So we can't play on someone else's strength while it's our weakness. And I think law school is sort of a journey of exploring what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely right. And, you know, exploration is a great framework. If you can Mm -hmm. be playful about that, then it becomes so much easier. You know, I'm going to dip a toe into this field of law. I'm going to try oral advocacy. I'm going to think about policy development because Mm -hmm. it's such a vast field. And there's actually so many things you can do with the JD that aren't even the practice of law. So that's absolutely right. And that's another really great way to take the pressure off yourself Mm -hmm. is to say, you know, let's just say in the first five years of my career, all I'm doing is trying things and building expertise. And I'm not asking myself to actually discover the one thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I think what you should do is lean into something that feels exciting and juicy and just try it knowing that you get do-overs, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to change your mind if you need to. Yeah. yeah. A lot of my students feel a lot of stress because they're putting this pressure to find out their career path for all time. And you Mm -hmm. don't really need to do that. Yeah, for sure. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm struggling with that right now, too. We we forget that it's a journey. Mm -hmm. We forget that it's a self-exploration process where you are not, you don't have to be something definitely, right? I mean, indefinitely, sorry. We We can explore, search different avenues and if we want to practice in one field, we can. If we want to change, we can change. That's that's definitely something, you know, we, we struggle with as law students. But 
one thing I wanted to raise, one point I wanted to raise was that feeling of, am I good enough to be here? Is this for me? And I, I've heard a lot of people ask this question. I have felt it from time to time. And I guess people call it imposter syndrome. That's right. Because, you know, the reality is every person in a legal organization has a role to play. And I actually remember as an articling student, I quite enjoyed the supporting role. Like it, it was fulfilling to find the research and feed it to senior counsel who knew how to turn it into the most brilliant factum in the world. And, you know, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But the feeling of, you know, not being good enough, it's true. It is very prevalent in law school. And I think that's partly why people become so attached to the grades because it's like, am I good enough? Well, the grades will tell me, you know? Um, and, you know, as, as you know, Catherine Young writes about this in her excellent book, How to Be Sort of Happy in Law School. And, you know, there's a lot of ways of dealing with that. You can reason with yourself cognitively and just think, you know, I, I've sat on admissions committees for 15 years, and I can tell you that we turn away, you know, say 80 to 90% of applicants. And we do have some expertise in who is going to be appropriate for law school. So one thing you could do is just be like, well, I'm just going to take it on faith. Mm -hmm. You know, these people are experts and they think I'm good enough to be here. So why don't I just adopt that approach rather than, you know, the more painful thought that I'm not good enough to be here. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the other thing though is, I think law students tend to be high performers who have kind of a habit Mm. of being hard on ourselves. And so sometimes what happens is people are doubting, Yes, you know, they're raising deep questions about am I good enough in an absolute sense. And again, that's where self-compassion and self-support really comes into it to take a moment and notice when you're having that really painful thought and just soothe yourself a little bit I'll even put my hand on my heart you know because we still have those thoughts too (laughs) as professors you know of course we have those moments as well Um, and if you can realize okay that's just the mind and everybody's mind you know offers up some unhelpful observations (laughs) and the thing to do is to be with yourself with some kindness and to breathe through and be like okay that's just a thought I don't have to believe it you know and that's where mindfulness and meditation can be so helpful because you begin to see I am not my thoughts I'm not even my insecurities yes you know there's there's something more elemental that's observing all of that when you're when you're in meditation yes I'm not my thoughts I'm not my insecurities I really like that that's something that you know we all should learn to practice as it's very beneficial and you know I was thinking about it and we all start somewhere Nobody Mm -hmm. is born a lawyer. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. no one is born with the skills of a lawyer. These are things we cultivate over time. And as you said, being compassionate, and this is advice that I have to take myself, telling myself like, hey, Noor, you have not been practicing for 10 years. You don't, there are certain things you don't know, but you will learn. They are learnable skills, right? And this is a part of the exploration process as we've mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, you know, I truly believe that everybody has their genius, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether it's in the practice of law or elsewhere. But for example, I had a colleague in law school who had significant learning disabilities. He had accommodation, but he still found the academic aspect of law pretty tough. And he was kind of a straight D student. He had a number of 
F's, he appealed them, he won. Mm -hmm. And you know what? His genius was advocacy. Wow. He could talk his way out of anything. Wow. He was an incredible advocate. Even before law school, he was the guy that all his friends and families would call if they were fighting with an airline over something or yeah. if they got a defective product, you know. Wow. And he has been practicing law successfully for 25 years. Wow. That's amazing. So, you know, it's also that what I what we've been talking about, it's trying out different things because, yes. you know, you might not be like the the academic who wants to do appellate law and deal with really highly complex legal questions, but you mm-hmm. might have this incredible emotional intelligence and sense of empathy and you'll be this incredible family law mediator, for mm-hmm. example, you know, like, yes. again, it's a leap of faith, but to trust that you do have a gift and a calling and yes. it's just a matter of trying out different things before you get there. And your grades are not a good indication <laughs> of yeah. where that, where that, gift lies sometimes exactly yeah and that that the example the scenario you provided that's a perfect perfect example of the fact that grades don't matter as much as we think they do you know to some degree they do matter but they do not define us and I think that's what we have to take away from it yeah exactly you know if you have straight A's you'll have more options you know but the thing is you don't want all those jobs. Lots mm-hmm. of those jobs aren't a good match for you. Mm-hmm. And you can only take one, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like in dating, you know, it's actually <laughs> not that useful to have like 50 suitors because right. if you want, you know, if you want just one, <laughs> that, that's personal preference, but yeah. you know, you don't need 50 job offers. Mm-hmm. You just need to find a good match for you. Mm-hmm. And as I say, that doesn't even mean that it's the perfect job for right now, but maybe that job is going to hone a certain skill set mm-hmm. or it's in a geographic location where you're close to your family yeah. or it's providing you an income that's helping you pay back student loans. Like right. there's all kinds of benefits you can get from a job, even if it doesn't tick every box. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting that you settle, but I'm saying, especially at the beginning, Take the pressure off. Don't mm-hmm. look for the perfect job. Just for, mm-hmm. look for something that feels good in some way that has something really of benefit to you mm-hmm. because then you always have the option to tweak it, to keep looking, right. maybe to change that position or to find a new position. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, um, not having it all figured out. It's okay. It's okay not to have it all figured out. Exactly. And again, going back to what you mentioned, you you touched on a really important point, And this is something I always talk about finding your calling, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people don't understand the importance of finding your calling. It, it's a journey and where your passion lies, where you're happy doing your work. But of course, we need to be practical in the sense of, like you said, paying off our student loans. And, you know, we have bills to pay. But at the same time, having that balance of practicality and and, you know, finding that passion, finding that calling. Yeah, you know, Professor Tal Ben-Shahar, who in many ways popularized the science of positive psychology, mm-hmm. he says that happiness lies at the intersection of meaning and pleasure. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing something that's both enjoyable and reflects a sense of purpose. Now, I, yeah. I discourage people from laying a big heavy burden on themselves of finding your life purpose <laughs> because that can be really intimidating. But mm-hmm. most of us are able to sense when something has meaning for us, yes. you know, and it needs to also have some element of pleasure. So if you know you hate public speaking, then, you know, oral advocacy is probably not going to be for you. Some people mm-hmm. are never happier than when they're 
just, you know, 500 pages deep into a statute and they're mm-hmm. parsing it and picking it apart and finding the provision that their client needs, you know? Right. And if they're doing that in service of something that matters to them, then that's the sweet spot, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you really care about people. And so you really want to make people's lives better. And you realize, well, immigration law is an amazing way to do that, to provide people a better home and, you know, a country that's safer for them. And you really like oral advocacy. Okay, boom, that you're going to be an amazing lawyer in refugee law, making arguments before the Immigration and Refugee Board. You know, Mm -hmm. you can ask yourself these simple questions, like what do I enjoy and what has meaning for me? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then see what what jobs seem to fall into those categories. For sure. And and like you said, we don't have to have it all figured out right after we graduate. I I spoke to several lawyers and, you know, some of them are five practicing for five. They've been practicing for five years, some for 10, some for 15. And they all told me, but I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Every single lawyer. You know, we tend to think just because this person is 10 years ahead in their journey and their career, they have it all figured out. That's it. Once we're there, you know, we will we'll have it figured out. But no, at every stage of our life, we're inviting growth and we're evolving. We're waiting for the next chapter. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely right. For example, in my case, I went to law school thinking I wanted to do poverty law and work in legal aid clinics. Mm-hmm. In my second year, I did an internship at Eco Justice Canada, fell mm-hmm. in love with it, realized I really wanted to dedicate my career to public interest environmental law. Mm-hmm. I practiced for a couple of years with Eco Justice, had a really exciting opportunity to move to California and practice toxic tort law. I did that for two years. I realized oh. I was really inspired by the idea of preventing environmental harm and designing better systems of environmental protection. I went into academia, <laughs> you know, and it's all been really good. And even yeah. within my 15 years as a law professor, you know, in the past five years, I've developed this this secondary research interest in law student well-being. And that's been a whole really mm-hmm. delicious dimension. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Nora. If you can view your entire career as a journey, mm-hmm. you're, you're already being kinder to yourself. You're already right. opening up a space where you can breathe and you can mm-hmm. experiment and you can play and enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words. Well, I, see, I see what you did there, right? You jumped at whatever opportunity came to you if you felt good yeah. about it. And, you know, there were doors open for you. You walked through the doors and they led you to great, amazing opportunities. And today you are helping law students left, right and center. I've heard amazing things about you from so many students. You've made you continue to make a big change. And, and you know, it's it's amazing how you followed that, you know, your heart, you followed your calling, your passion and you're doing things. And I can see that you're doing things that make you happy. Thank you, Noor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so just just to wrap up the episode, I wanted to ask you if there was one piece of advice that you would have wanted a, a lawyer or someone, you know, a mentor tell you when you were a law student, what would that be if you could just leave us with, you know, with some wise words of yours? Well, this is a ripoff from Joseph Campbell, but <laughs> I think the fundamental piece of advice is to follow your bliss. Follow your bliss. That is beautiful. Sweet and short. <laughs> Professor Collins, if I could talk to you all day, I would because I have <laughs> learned a lot in the past 27 minutes and even all of January. I was very sad for the course to end. 
but I really appreciate you taking your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. You really taught my colleagues and I how to take a step back, disconnect, and prioritize our well-being in life. You know, everything else can wait. And as Mm -hmm. I've said earlier, we really have to fill our own cup before we could pour into anything else, whether it be our careers, our relationships. Um, And I hope this episode was a breath of fresh air for anyone listening, whether you're a law student or a lawyer. And even if you're not even, even if you're not in the legal field. um, So I just wanted to, again, thank you, Professor Collins, for your time. And if you had any other comments to make or um, that would be a lovely time. I think you've covered everything, Noor. Just thank you so much for having me. I'm really so inspired that your generation of law students is opening up to these discussions so that we can become collectively a healthier and happier profession. Thank you, Professor Collins. And we we are very happy to have mentors like you, professors like you in the field that are encouraging us to do so. You've just been listening to The Law School Show, Student Life Series. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our website, thelawschoolshow.com. If you like what you've heard, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates, curated resources, and opportunities to help you navigate the law school experience in every episode. Catch it all here next time on the Student Life Series.